This is a Pele Media Podcast. Welcome back to Jurassic Park Minute. Jurassic Park Minute is the fan podcast that chronicles and overanalyzes the classic 1993 film Jurassic Park Minute by Minute. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. Well, let's go ahead and get into minute number 84 here. And on the other side, we'll talk about how it kind of works to uh, flesh out the character of Alan Grant. Let's do it. In the previous minute, we saw Grant and the kids call out to Brachiosaurus's eating in the distance. As the minute ended, Grant was reaching behind his back to get something out of his pocket. In minute number 84, Grant pulls out his raptor claw and shows it to the kids. Lex asks Grant what he and Dr. Sattler will be doing now that they don't need to dig up dinosaur bones anymore. Grant responds that he doesn't know, and that he guesses they will have to evolve too. At minute 84.20, the camera begins to pull back. Tim asks, what do you call a blind dinosaur? Grant asks what one is called. Tim responds, did you call it a do you think he saw us? Grant laughs. Tim asks them what do you call a blind dinosaur's dog? He follows up with a do you think he saw us rex? The camera pulls out to show the trio sitting in the tree. Lex asks Grant what will happen if all the dinosaurs come back while they are asleep. Grant tells her that he will stay awake all night. At 84.55, Grant takes his raptor claw out and looks at it some more. And thus ends minute number 84 of Jurassic Park. So this is another minute where there's there's not a whole lot going on on screen because it's all tone and pacing. You know, we get Grant kind of snuggling up with Lex and Tim. Lex and Tim kind of have just moved over to him without asking because they need kind of that uh, parental figure at this moment. You know, they're two scared kids. And Grant, being a scared person himself, has to be strong and has to be able to be the pillar of support for the two of them in this moment. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, a lot of uh, kind of cheesy jokes from Tim as well. I think dinosaur jokes resonate really well with kids. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, it's it's okay. So I've talked a couple times this week about how Jurassic Park um, gives you gives you little kind of cool things, little tidbits here and there. Tidbits is the wrong word. It gives you a couple little things here and there, and they're very subtle. They're not in your face. They don't call attention to themselves, but you can um, make something of the fact that we have heard maybe a couple of times that. Uh, the kids' parents are divorced. Tim's dad didn't bother to build him a treehouse and all this. So we're subtly told that it was the dad's problem. He was the jerk, you know. And uh, a father figure is clearly what these kids need. And and here they are just sort of magnetically, you know, like being drawn to that. And so um, it's not just kids, you know, being friendly with this guy and the evolution for him. It's the evolution for the children as well. And the fact that we're given a re, you know, they need this. They really need this. Jurassic World kind of tried to do something similar. And it was, it was, to me anyway, it felt forced. Uh, And it didn't really matter in that movie. But for this, we get um, two children who need this. And it's going to bring that out of Grant, whether he likes it or not. Because that's just how things are evolving. And he is kind of stepping up to the plate, I think, in these moments. He's not like telling the kids to, you know, go away or leave him alone. Kind of the ornery Grant that we've had, that we've seen up until this point. He does kind of like accept it with open arms and try to be there for the kids. So, uh, and it really comes through in Samuel's performance. Samuel's such an interesting actor, and it's he was an interesting choice for this. And uh, like I've said before, um, you don't know if he's going to save the day or if he's going to win because he isn't Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's not just this big buff guy who there's no, you know, he is a weak, I say weak in a um, 
certain way. He's not weak minded or anything, but he's weak in the sense that like he's never been put in a situation like this. He doesn't know if he could handle it or save these kids. When the car is being pushed over the, the cliff face, he's screwed. There's no hope for anybody getting out of there. Uh, that was something that was uh, done well in the book too, is you didn't know if he was going to survive this. And there were many moments where it was pretty certain that he was going to die. And so this is the moment I think where we really, we really see that Grant is becoming aware of what's going on. And when the kids go and they sit down right next to him, uh, Sam Neill gives kind of a subtle, uh, express some recognition to that and an expression of just like, Whoa, what's going on here? You know, this, this, this is something I've never experienced before. And why the hell are these kids warming up to me? I'm a jerk. And so it's just, na it's a natural thing that is happening. It, it's a movie about evolution and things naturally occurring, whether you like it or not, these dinosaurs are going to evolve into something that is smarter than you ever thought they could possibly be. And nature is going to take its, its own course of action, no matter how we plan for it. Alan Grant was going to be put in this situation, whether he liked it or not, or whether he saw it coming or not. Uh, as well as these children. And it's, it's beautifully done in, in this moment. This entire scene is very um, sincere, not forced. Life definitely found a way up in the tree. So. Absolutely, yeah. So, Brady, what do you call a sleeping dinosaur? What, what do you call a sleeping dinosaur, Kyle? The dinosaur. Ho! Did you just what kind of dinosaur would Harry Potter be? <laughs> what, what? I don't know. A dinosaur -er. Ah, look at you. So you what, have a tab what, what, what did the dinosaur put on her steak? What? Dinosauce. Dinosauce, I like it. What you know, came I, after I, the dinosaur? God damn. <laughs> uh, what, it's what, tail. What? Oh, look at you. I'm waiting. No, that's it. I have <laughs> I have more if you want to hear them. No. <laughs> How can you tell uh -huh. if there's a dinosaur in your refrigerator? The door won't close. And I think I'm going to end on that one. Yeah, good, good, good. Let's let's do that. Let's do that. So there's a moment where he's got the raptor claw in his hand and he's holding it, and Lex asks him, you know, well, what are you going to do now that you and you know Ellie have to, you know, you're kind of out of a job now because people actually have like living dinosaurs. And I think that you know she's just asking him a question. It's not really supposed to be a profound question, but I don't really see that a, you know paleontologist would necessarily be out of a job if this happens because you know there are still dinosaur species being discovered all the time with more dig sites, and uh, I, I think that it would just be like they would probably have a little bit more to do with their job. Their job would get more complicated if anything else. I mean, they would still have to continue to dig for stuff because as you know, one of the saving graces I think of Jurassic World, they do make the point to say that none of these dinosaurs are, are real in these parks. They're not a real approximation of what those dinosaurs would have been like back in the day because yeah. they are mixed and spliced with frog DNA. None of these are actually like what the dinosaurs typically were so there would still be a need for paleontologists to go out there and you know kind of forage for for new you know dinosaur bones to actually dig stuff yeah. up so and, but you know that lex lex wouldn't have that kind of foresight in her question she's just asking him you know something i don't know that grant would have that foresight in his answer either um this is something that's brand new and entirely new and he probably didn't have the time to think okay maybe not out of a job but our craft our trade might be shifting a little bit but um but it's still a bittersweet moment in the sense that like what we'll see in the next minute when he tosses the raptor claw is just kind of him maybe saying this is it you know that's i don't need this anymore because i don't need this this job i don't have this job anymore this isn't just a a sweet cuddly warm moment there is some other stuff going on in it and that is just this bittersweet vibe that's going through the entire sequence. Yeah, benefits benefits the entire uh, movie, I think. 
do you think that once they got off the island that Hammond still continued to fund their dig as he promised them when he got them onto the island? Or do you think that was all just up in the air considering everything that happened? Uh, who knows? I, you know, I watched this um, recently with Dad, and he said, uh, who hadn't seen it since like the day he, it premiered in theaters, and his sentiment right as the helicopter's taking off and the credits begin to roll, it wasn't like, man, that was good. It was lawsuit. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I think John Hammond has other things to worry about. So, well, you know, there is that scene we talked about that was edited out of the Lost World, where the opening of that movie is nothing but like five minutes of some of a lawyer standing there talking about all the lawsuits right. that they had to pay because yeah. of Jurassic Park and how it wasn't worth their time to reopen the park, uh, or you know, to try to salvage anything that was left on uh, Isla Nublar, which was pretty That's interesting. Right. And. You know, speaking of which, speaking of things, and I actually love that scene. I would have much rather seen that. There's been recently a bunch of like storyboards that have come out uh, thanks to Phil Tippett releasing a big book that he had full of storyboards and script notes and just all kinds of ideas about what he was going to do with Jurassic Park. A lot of it has come online, and there was an entire T-Rex attack sequence there at the end while they were trying to make make a you know run for it in the helicopter. There was also kind of an alternate death scene for Nidri. And a few other things that have sort of made their way online. And I actually want to start, um, I encourage people to go check that out. I'll, I'll try and post some of it on our Facebook. If you're a Jurassic Park fan, this stuff is like, a lot of it's coming out as of recent. Uh, it's, it's, you can find a lot of it on SlashFilm.com, JurassicOutpost.com. But so, yeah, you know, you mentioned the ending and that just came to mind because it was released about a week ago. Yeah. Uh, I, I love the ending that we have on, on Jurassic Park, though. I think it ends yeah. just perfectly. The last shot of the Tyrannosaurus Rex is really, I think, probably the most iconic shot from the whole movie. So. Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, Brady, you ready to get out of here? Let's do it. All right, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. Everybody have a great weekend. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And until next time, hold on to your butts. Jurassic Park Minute is a fan-supported podcast. If you like the podcast, then leave us a review on iTunes. You can contact us at JurassicParkMinute at gmail.com and visit us online at JurassicParkMinute.com, Facebook.com slash JurassicParkMinute, and Twitter.com slash JurassicMinute. You've been listening to a Pele Media Podcast. For premium content and exclusive podcasts, visit us at Patreon.com slash Media. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Pele Media and follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Pele Media. Yeah.